So, continuing with 2 Timothy, and just to recap, the uh, Apostle Paul is in a prison cell in Rome awaiting execution. He's writing to his young apprentice, uh, Timothy, who's leading the church in Ephesus. And Paul is giving Timothy some final instructions to help him continue in this work of building the church. It's as if Paul is uh, handing Timothy the baton. In fact, uh, this uh, little series that we're doing on 2 Timothy is called Passing the Baton. And in today's passage, uh, Paul is talking about the integrity of what's taught in the church. And then he's talking about what is required of us if we're to be used by God, used as teachers, but also used in the more general sense. So what are we hoping to achieve with our teaching here at St. Andrews? And how can we ensure uh, that we're useful to God as individuals and as a church? Well, Paul begins by encouraging Timothy to be a good workman. Verse 15, he says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker, who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. So Timothy is to correctly handle the word of truth. Of truth. In other words, he's to rightly explain God's word, the Bible. And there's an analogy that gets lost in the translation because the original Greek uh, doesn't say correctly uh, handles. It says something much closer to cut straight. And the analogy comes from road building. Uh, you can cut a straight road as the Romans did, or you can cut a crooked, windy road. Sound teaching is a straight road. Uh, false teaching is the crooked road. Ted Grayson lives in an 18th century cottage in South Yorkshire in England. And his house is just after a very sharp bend in the road as you enter his village. And since moving to the property 14 years ago, uh, his house has been hit by motorists on no less than 40 occasions. Four zero, 40 occasions. Here's an extract from an article I read. It says, an articulated lorry once demolished the entire end of uh, his house, while on another occasion, a motorcyclist came crashing through the kitchen window. The most recent accident happened two weeks ago, when a car demolished a large section of the garden wall. The article goes on to describe other woes experienced by Ted Grayson. Now, Ted Grayson knows the value of a straight road, or more to the point, the perils of a crooked one. Error or false teaching is dangerous, is dishonouring to God, and it's damaging to us. In verse 16, Paul describes false teaching as godless chatter, and he says that those who uh, indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. So good teaching can move us closer to God, but false teaching can move us further away from God. And Paul says false teaching spreads like gangrene, Gangrene is a horrendous condition that affects um, uh, parts of the body when there's a lack of blood flow. It spreads quickly, and the more it spreads, the more living tissue it destroys. Likewise, the more that false teaching spreads, uh, the more damage it does. Let me give you a fairly extreme example of where false teaching can lead. So where we were before in Tottenham, there was a, a Congolese church that hit the headlines because they were beating children with sticks and burning them with fire, supposedly to deliver them from evil spirits. Uh, I mean, that's how bad things can get if a whole church follows unsound teaching. Now, you might say, well, yeah, we're too educated for that. We'd never get sucked in uh, by such awful teaching. Uh, but it doesn't need to be quite that obvious. 
In verse 18, we see that Hymenaeus and Philetus were teaching that the resurrection has already taken place. Of course, Jesus' resurrection has already taken place. uh, And in the spiritual sense, uh, his people with him. But our bodily resurrection lies in the future. There will come a time when all those who belong to Jesus will rise with real physical bodies to inhabit a real physical world. That hasn't happened yet. If it had, Paul and Timothy and every Christian that had ever lived would be walking around with us now. Uh, They're not. And Hymenaeus and Philetus and others were denying the prospect of us rising with new resurrection bodies. They were basically saying, uh, look, guys, this is it. It doesn't get any better. There's nothing uh, beyond this. But that's not the Christian message. Our hope lies in a bodily resurrection that will take place when Jesus returns. In the 1800s, two movements emerged from the church in the United States. Uh, Both were founded independently of each other uh, by men who claimed to receive a special revelation from God. And those men basically decided to ignore the teaching of the church for, well, basically the last 2,000 years and uh, reinterpret the message of the Bible. I mean, how do you even come to the point of doing that when we consider that those who knew Jesus personally in a, in a face-to-face way, they were unanimous in their beliefs Uh, The church throughout the centuries, uh, all things considered, has remained remarkably consistent in its core beliefs. Uh, So how does someone come to the point of believing that God has given them a special revelation uh, that overrides 2,000 years of church history? You might say, well, that's outrageous. They don't have any credentials. Uh, What's their basis for rewriting the Christian message? Who would believe them? Uh, But lots of people have believed them. The first of those men uh, was Joseph Smith, who founded the Mormons in the 1820s. Uh, The second was Charles Taze Russell, who founded the Jehovah's Witnesses in the 1870s. And to the untrained eye, these movements can look very much like Christianity. In fact, when I went onto the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, website and read their uh, statement of faith, I agreed with most of it until I came to this bit. It says... We do not worship Jesus as we do not believe that he is almighty God. That statement alone is a complete departure from Christianity. And in the Mormon Articles of Faith, the Book of Mormon is given the same authority as the Bible. Again, uh, this is a dangerous deviation uh, from the truth. Now, I'm not berating individual members of these movements, some of whom we might know and love. I'm sure there are many uh, very sincere Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, but we looked a few weeks back. It is possible to be sincerely wrong. Joseph Joseph Smith and Charles Taze Russell were the Hymenaeus and Philetus of their day. As Paul puts it, they have wandered away from the truth. And the words that get translated, wandered away, suggest an arrow that is missing the target. When I was a boy, I was always making bows and arrows. The problem is I could never uh, find sticks that were quite straight enough to make the arrows. So whenever I fired them, they'd always veer off to the side. I was always missing the target, uh, which was frustrating and uh, a little bit dangerous too. Um, But that's what we want to avoid here at St. Andrews. We want to avoid missing the target. We want to hit the target and we want to make sure that we cut a straight road. Uh, By that, I mean that our teaching should be truthful, accurate, 
and easy to understand. That's one of the reasons why we have the creeds and we say them most weeks. The creeds hold us to the non-negotiables of the Christian faith. If you ever hear any teaching uh, that uh, refutes what we say in our creeds, then you know that that teaching simply is not Christian. The creeds serve to guide the arrow of teaching and keep it flying straight towards a target. Uh, Likewise, we take the Bible seriously. We want to teach it again uh, in a way that people can understand. Uh, That's why we'll be doing uh, more sermon series. It's uh, to give us an uh, an opportunity to study a book or part of a book or a theme in detail as a church so that we can learn and understand and grow together as Christians. And by the way, I'm not trying to set St. Andrew's apart as the only uh, church where you can hear the truth in Springfield. There are plenty of good churches in Springfield where the good news of Jesus is preached. Praise God. Uh, But at this early stage, uh, it's important that we uh, understand that truth and accuracy is really important. We take it seriously. And the reason we take it so seriously can be seen in verse 18. Uh, Paul says this about the false teaching of Hymenaeus and Philetus. He says, they say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. Their false teaching had actually destroyed people's faith. That's something uh, I'd never want to be guilty of. Nevertheless, says Paul, God's solid foundation stands firm. No amount of false teaching can alter the truth. As someone once said, the truth is still the truth, even if no one believes it. A lie is still a lie, even if everyone believes it. And then in verse 19, Paul says, the Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Those who put their trust in Jesus are to turn away from wickedness. And uh, by that, in this context, Paul is meaning uh, all teaching that leads us away from the truth, uh, that takes us off course. The problem is we might struggle to identify uh, false teaching uh, from true teaching. We might uh, uh, struggle to identify what's false and what's not. How can we tell the difference? How can we filter uh, the rubbish? I mean, when you've got a question, what do you do? I'll make it easy for you. When you've got a question and you've got a tablet or a mobile phone in front of you, what do you do? You Google it. You Google it. Google's got all the answers, hasn't it? I'm sure, uh, you know, you don't agree? I thought Google could make us an expert in almost anything instantly. I'm sure doctors the world over are so pleased uh, that their patients can self-diagnose all manner of weird and wonderful ailments before they've even stepped foot in the surgery. Uh, Actually, I had it the opposite way around. I went to a doctor in the UK and he started looking stuff up on Google. I'm not sure why I didn't find that very reassuring. (laughs) And this is why we have to be careful. Because via the internet, we have access to an inexhaustible reservoir of false teaching. Uh, Admittedly, there's also a lot of good stuff online. There's a lot of good information. But uh, how do we we know the difference? How do we filter the rubbish? Well, that's why it's so important to find a church where the Bible is taught. That's why we really want to be that kind of church. So keep coming and listen to the talks, read the Bible for yourselves, study it with friends, pray before you read it, ask God to give you understanding, keep asking questions so that we can learn and grow together. And we need to grow in our understanding because many of us 
Many of us will be uh, teachers of one sort or another, not just those who come up and stand behind a lectern. If you're involved in children's church, or you're a home group leader, or you're a parent, then you have a teaching role. In fact, if you ever share your faith with anyone who's not a Christian, or anyone who doesn't know and understand uh, the Christian message, then in a sense you have a teaching role. And we need to take that responsibility seriously. And finally, Paul gives this analogy, and it's to do with how we can make ourselves useful to God. He says, in a large house, there are articles not, of, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. See, the articles of gold and silver for special purposes are those that God is able to use. And that, of course, includes those who teach the truth. The articles of wood and clay for common use are those who oppose God's will, who uh, oppose his kingdom. And that includes people who teach falsehood. <clears throat> but the words prepared to do any good works, any good works, tells us that this isn't just about teachers. It's a message for anyone who would, serve, uh, who would seek to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. We know from the passage uh, that, um, well, in a sense we get to choose uh, whether or not we're used uh, for special purposes. It seems that those who cleanse themselves will be used as instruments in God's hands. We know from the passage that it, we're to cleanse ourselves from false teaching, but it also extends to the way uh, that we conduct ourselves. John Stott said, Purity of doctrine... And purity of life is the essential condition of being serviceable to Christ. So if, for example, we were to deny the divinity of Christ, deny that uh, Jesus was and is God, and then try and teach the Bible, we'd be like a driving instructor uh, who hasn't actually learned to drive himself. Uh, we'd serve no useful purpose. On the contrary, uh, we'd be extremely dangerous. Again, if we were uh, visiting strip clubs and go-go bars and then attempting to tell our colleagues about Jesus, well, we'd be like someone turning up to work in a kitchen all covered in manure. Uh, far from being useful, we'd be dangerously unhygienic. Being used by God for his good purpose, purposes is the most wonderful privilege. It's uh, incredibly exciting and fulfilling. And we've seen that our effectiveness depends on our willingness to be cleansed but I think there's an opposite danger and that is of people feeling unworthy there might be people that feel Do you know what I haven't been cleansed enough to be used by God how could God use somebody like me a few weeks ago we talked about change in direction uh, we you know we're heading away from God uh, but when we give our lives to Jesus we, we turn and we change direction we start heading towards God and it's then that we begin this process of being cleaned up, sanctified, renewed, restored, changed, transformed. And it really is a process, a lifelong process. Uh, but I want to assure you that God can use your words and actions at any stage of that process. As soon as we give our hearts to Jesus, God can use us. And the closer that we get to Jesus, the more God can use us. And if your heart's in the right place, if you truly uh, want to follow Jesus and you, you get the wrong end of the stick at some point or other, uh, well, that'll all come out in a wash, provided that we love Jesus, we're eager to learn, we're hungry for knowledge and for wisdom 
and for that relationship uh, with our Heavenly Father. So as a church and as individuals, uh, we're aiming for, for that purity of doctrine and purity of life so that we can be used as instruments in God's hands. But at the same time, we need to understand that there's not some uh, magic level of purity that we have to reach before God can use us. It's much more to do with our direction of travel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do want to be useful to you. We do want to be a light in a dark place. We recognize that uh, this is a broken world and that we, we are to be balm to the wounds of the, uh, the world around us. That we are to be salt. Heavenly Father, we recognize, we, we declare that we want you to work in our lives and work through us so that we're making a difference, building your kingdom, seeing your will done. And we pray, Father, that uh, we'll uh, take this idea of purity of doctrine, purity of life seriously, but at the same time recognizing we're, we're in a process, a process of being cleaned up. And we pray, Father, that we'll engage with that process wholeheartedly, engage with you, so that we can grow uh, to maturity as Christians. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.